welcome to the Glow Journal podcast, a conversation with the beautiful minds behind the world's biggest beauty brands. I'm your host, beauty writer Gemma Watts, and in this episode, I'm joined by the founder of Naked Sundays, Samantha Brett. I have to start this one by noting that in this episode, we have a world exclusive announcement from Sam on not one, but two new Naked Sundays products. How's that for a tease? Samantha Brett has always loved beauty, but despite a brief stint as a beauty writer during an internship, she only ever wanted to be a news reporter. Sam worked as hard as she possibly could to achieve the dream she'd held on to since she was 14 years old. And once she got there, it was a job she truly never pictured herself walking away from. That was until the 2019 to 2020 bushfire season. It was while reporting on those bushfires that she found herself questioning precisely what it was that she wanted from her life. The idea for Naked Sundays came from a few places at once a few months prior. Sam's husband was complaining about having to reapply his sunscreen while playing golf. Meanwhile, Sam was watching her television colleagues having cancerous lesions cut from their faces after full days reporting out in the sun with no way to apply sunscreen without ruining their makeup for a camera. Sam pitched the idea for an SPF 50 plus mist to 25 different manufacturers before one finally said yes. She and her husband used money from their mortgage to fund the business and Naked Sundays launched in January 2021 to a wait list of over 2,000 people. That's 2,000 people before they had launched a single product. The brand hit a reported $100,000 in sales within four weeks of that launch. The brand launched into Mecca that October and sold out of three months' worth of stock in 24 hours. And the brand was selling one product per minute by the end of that year. In this conversation, Sam shares how important it is to know the steps it'll take to reach your dream rather than expecting it to happen tomorrow. Why she waited until September 2021 to leave her television job and a world-exclusive announcement of not one, but two new Naked Sundays products. Sam, I know that your background is, of course, in journalism. I know that you had some early experience in the world of beauty, media, early on in your career, but I would love to start by rewinding even further. What is your very earliest memory of beauty? How do you know I had experience in beauty? Because no one knows that. That's a bit of a secret. I did a deep dive. That's how. (laughs) (laughs) I'm impressed. Uh, Thank you. No, I mean, um, beauty, gosh, my earliest memory is of me at school hiding a lip gloss and a lip liner in my pocket when I was about 14 and putting it on in the bathroom. I was just obsessed with lip liner and lip gloss. I don't know why. And then blush i was one of the early adopters of liquid blush uh-huh. i don't know if you remember gem but when we were young and i can't remember the brand it escapes me now but there was a little blush that you would shake and it was liquid and it would come out red and you would put it on your cheek but it looked completely natural so no one knew i was wearing makeup to school that was my earliest memory i'm still stuck on lip liner that is a very specific thing like i feel like i didn't even get into lip liner until the recent years. I've always thought lip liner was this like extra step. So to be a teenager and to understand that that is a necessary part of the overall routine is very impressive. <laughs> I think I had the Kylie Jenner syndrome where someone had actually once said to me that my lips were very thin or one of my lips was too thin. And so I got into it. I got into lip liner and I used to go to Mac and buy the Teddy lip liner and then mix it with one of the juicy Mac lip glosses. And that was my routine. It's funny. It just takes one. That's co- the whole reason I care about my eyebrows. Cause one boy in year nine was like, you know, you have a monobrow. Like, well, <laughs> watch me. <laughs> Never again. Never again. So clearly an early interest in beauty, but when you were a child, a teenager, what did you think you might grow up to be? 
I always knew I'd be a news reporter or a news presenter and everyone told me it was impossible to get into that industry and only a very few small amount of people would actually make it. So I love a challenge and I thought, well, I'm going to be, it has it has to be one person. It might as well be me. And I just set my sights on Sunrise and being a live news reporter. And from the time I was 16, I started doing work experience at newsrooms. By 18, I was at Channel 10. By 20, I was in New York at the Fox News Channel. By 21, I had my own column in the Sydney Morning Herald. By 20-something, I was a news reporter for Sky News. And by 30, I was at Sunrise. I ma- it long makes time. sense that, that you'd. That's, that's a long. No, that's like that, that's like. Oh my god! When I think about that now, Jam, and I tell you that that was my dream from fourteen, and I only made it at thirty. It just goes to show that if you have a dream, you really need to know the steps to get there, and then you need to follow them. It's not a, I want to do this tomorrow. It happens, and people probably think, oh, look at her on TV. I want to do that, but just me telling you that now, I actually didn't realize how long that took. Well, this is the thing that to me makes sense because I know the pathway that's necessary to get there. I don't think you can wake up one day and go, okay, this is what I want to do. And then it just happens. So it makes sense that you had that dream from 14 on because how else are you going to know? Okay, this is the path I've got to take. And I had to work out the path. Yeah. People, they, they tell you bits. You have to go to the country. You have to do your Jews in um, a local newsroom. So I went to the countryside in New South Wales and then I went to Hobart by myself and I recorded and edited and shot all my own stories. I used to carry this massive backpack around with a camera and a tripod and I would set it up and I would do live crosses to Sky News and Sky News actually broadcast around the world. So I would go on CBS, CNN. It was just me filming myself that is the path to get there and that you cannot skip those steps. Mm. I know that you did do some early work experience, as I hinted at earlier, in the beauty departments of a few magazines. Obviously, broadcast journalism, news was always the goal. It had been for a very long time. But what was interesting to you about beauty? As, as I told you before, I was wearing makeup from a very young age not something that I'm proud of I try I try and tell my six-year-old daughter hey do you want to wear makeup and she says absolutely not thank gosh because I just grew up that way and I thought that's what all kids do but Mm -hmm. clearly my daughter is not into it but um because I loved makeup I just thought hang on a second here's journalism but I know some of my friends from university are now um interviewing celebrities as their job and some of them are trying beauty products as their job that sounds really cool to me. So I got a work experience job throughout my work experience life at one, like a very small commuter magazine that you get on the trains. But as part of that magazine, you got to interview celebrities and there was a page that was blank that would do beauty reviews. And I put my hand up and I said, I like makeup. I want to do that. So I was able to do, um, the celebrity page and I got to meet celebrities and I was able to do the beauty page and suddenly this whole world opened up to me that you know of and and that I was slowly learning that you get free beauty products from all the beauty PRs if you write about them and put them in your magazine and there was no online back then so the only way to get press for their products was through these weekly or monthly magazines and I would just get tons and tons of, of all the brand new products. And then I got opened up into this new world, which you also know about, and I now know about, which is beauty events. Mm-hmm. And for people listening out there who do not know, if you are a beauty editor, all the big beauty brands spend, I don't even want to tell you how much, but hundreds of thousands of dollars every year launching new products. And as part of that, they put on events for the beauty editors and someone representing the brand, whether it's L'Oreal, Estee Lauder, whoever it is, Charlotte Tilbury, they'll come out from overseas, not the founders, but someone from the brand will come out and speak to the beauty editors and just give you the products. They will just give you, and they won't give you one. They'll give you 10. <laughs> they'll give you 10 every month. And I just thought, this is the best world ever. And you go to these events and you get free breakfast. And, and as a 20, 20 year old, you're thinking, this is amazing. They're offering me champagne at 10 a.m. And 
I'm at these beautiful venues, and there were red carpet events at night. The beauty world has a lot of good events. And it was just so much fun. And I, I got to meet all the beauty editors. I'm much older than you. So this was, but I am the same age as some of the other girls who do, who are still beauty editors now. And so we, we, you become really close friends with all of them. And we just had a little group and that was, that was my world for a bit. I mean, you have made a different sort of path on it now. And I think it's definitely changed. But back then to me, I thought I can't, I, I love doing it, but I wasn't, I wasn't working at one of the big magazines. And so I didn't really have a career path. That was it. Mm. So I thought I got to do something else. So that's how I got into it. Then, then I decided, look, I love news. I really do want to do news. Let me switch back to news. The, this is such a champagne problem. Those events, I am, I'm getting married in four months and they have completely skewed what is and is not possible for a regular human being to Pull together because I'm so used to going to these events and I'm like that's what a floral arrangement looks like and then you speak to a florist and you're like that's interesting I didn't know that cost that much hmm. exactly yes and these extravagant oh I wish we could tell your listeners just how extravagant some of these events are I remember I think I, I don't know I think Drunk Elephant recently had one did you see about that and it was they hired this beautiful house on the water and it was four levels and every level was a different activity and products everywhere and you're just thinking it's not real life <laughs> and I want everyone to know they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on these events um, but it is so fabulous to go it really is fun it honestly is truly like the fun side of life and really I have to pinch myself every day but yeah there's <laughs> there's a lot that goes into it it doesn't just happen so you obviously loved news you've said this you spent I think with seven it's something like eight years this is the dream job before you had the Naked Sundays concept in your mind did you ever see yourself leaving journalism for something different were you completely content in that world or did you have something in your mind that was kind of ticking away going well maybe I could do something else oh, you know it's a hard question to answer because I was the girl that was going to grow old on the newsroom floor and be 80 and still reporting about the news and I never saw myself doing anything different. I, I had written a bunch of books and I love speaking and, but always in that world of presenting and public persona and, and, um, and then news sort of came with that. I didn't go on Instagram for many, many years because it was a distraction from breaking news. I was at a breaking news story that was extremely serious. I don't want to be sitting there scrolling. I didn't go on Instagram, I think for two whole years, I didn't touch it. I didn't want to know about any, anything other than the news. And that's how dedicated I was. And, um, but towards, uh, after the, it was the 20, I haven't spoken about this for a while, sorry. Um, it was the um, bushfires. Um, mm. Oh my gosh. It now like seems so long ago. So it, does. so it was in the 2019, 2020 bushfires where I really started thinking this is, this is a lot. So it was New Year's Day. Um, and was it 2019? Yes. So it was New Year's. It was New Year's Day 2020. And in my ear, I was live crossing for sunrise. I was in a party dress, and everything was just um, wonderful. And I was talking about the fireworks, and in my ear came um, the the word that uh, where no one else could hear, but the producer talked to me. Uh, two firefighters have died in northern New South Wales. You need to go. And what that meant was putting on my orange jumpsuit, my orange fire suit and getting in a truck and driving towards the fires. It took seven hours, even though it was a couple of hours away because all the roads were now blocked. The whole of New South Wales was on fire. Yeah. Both sides of the road were driving through fire. I got stuck in the fire field for a couple of weeks. Um, you know, we, we don't have supplies. I mean, we keep food and water in our trucks, but the other families were there. They'd lost everything, mm -hmm. their homes. Everything was smoldering. People were just crying. They had kids. It was a holiday town. So they were on holidays. They didn't really have the majority of their stuff, but some people were staying in holiday homes and some people were staying in their own holiday homes and everything just burnt to the ground. And it was just so harrowing. And I had had the idea for Naked Sundays a couple of months before that. And I remember sitting in a five-year-old kid's bunk bed who had lent us their house because we had nowhere to stay and they didn't have any electricity or water or we didn't have anything at that time 
but the, the family was so lovely and gracious and it was like nine o'clock at night and I had to be up the next morning at 2 a.m. to start doing my live classes and I just remember looking at my phone there was a signal but I was scrolling through my photos and it was like samples of how I wanted Naked Sundays to look and I always knew I wanted to start with this spray to wear over my makeup because I was a news reporter and I had no sunscreen to wear over makeup and I just remember thinking all right if I do this it's got to be the most fun colorful sexy cool brand that I can think of because I want it to be a world away from from what I'm seeing right now and then COVID hit straight from bushfires into yeah. COVID. And, and by February, I was at the hospital every day talking about one or two cases. And by April, I was talking about, I was at the airports, shutting down the airports. And by July, it was the whole city, country, world was shut down. And so that was the perfect opportunity for me to really sit back and think, what do I want for my life? As opposed to just, and it felt like a bit of a regurgitation of the same news story every single day for months on end and then it turned into years mm. years of doing the same story and not only that but I was scared for my personal health because we didn't have vaccines we didn't know what COVID was back then and I and I have I had a four-year-old daughter at the time and I was honestly nervous for my my family's life for the first time I've been to terror attacks and I've been all over the yeah. world to the craziest stories and murder scenes and court cases and, and and fights and knives and brawls and everything. I've never been scared of anything. And this was the very first time where I actually felt nervous for my future of my health. And so I thought, I've got to do something else. I've got to. And this, I had that idea for Naked Sundays and it was just the perfect time. Because, I mean, just looking at the packaging, what it is now, this will, this might sound silly, it's just joyful. I can imagine that's it's kind of the antithesis of all of that tragedy that you were literally in the thick of. And that was your reality day in and day out for such a long time. It was. And so I that's exactly right. I wanted it to be I'm looking at it now and it's got it's literally looking back at me as a rainbow and it's this yeah, behind you. logo <laughs> and it's behind me as well. Mm. And it's in front of me and it's just all rainbow and lilac and pink and green. And just, as you say, Jam, joyful. Mm. And I just needed it to be joyful. And you got to remember when I started uh, thinking about this brand in 2020, we didn't have the explosion of SPF that we have now where mm. everyone is suddenly realizing, hang on, my skincare is useless unless I wear sunscreen every day. And every brand has cottoned onto that as well. It's 2023, took took a couple of years. But when we were doing it, we were kind of the first, we were the first SPF spray in Australia to be sprayed over makeup, if not the world. And so I felt like if I was going to re-educate people as to how to use sunscreen and love sunscreen and find joy, as you say, in using sunscreen, it better look damn fun, cool, sexy, be rainbow, holographic, lilac, all the fun things of life. Well, this comes up a bit, but the best beauty products are the ones that you actually want to use. There's no point having a product if it's just going to sit there. It needs to be something that you want to pick up and you want to make part of your routine every single day. Exactly. Exactly. Well said. (laughs) So let's talk about where the idea kind of came from. By my understanding, your husband was complaining about how much he hated having to put sunscreen on to play golf as someone who is engaged <laughs> you have to it. really done your research well I relate to this because my partner is a carpenter and it took me a very long time to be like hey buddy you understand that you're on a roof all day yeah so we're going to need to start putting some sunscreen on. So I've heard the same complaints, but then I know simultaneously you're watching some of your colleagues having to have skin cancers cut out because, you know, they'd be reporting outdoors for hours upon hours at a time. Talk me through it. How did those early conversations go? At what point did the wheels start turning? It was a shock. When I saw some of my colleagues have um, massive cuts across their face, but I'm talking like, and I hate to bring up the Kardashians again, but you see Khloe Kardashian yeah. having that huge sticker across her face. Imagine I'm in a newsroom and you're on TV and everyone's got that sticker on their face. One girl had it, the, the skin cancer when it's cut out. It's not pretty. And 
the cuts that she had across her head. I'm thinking, what is that? And they're telling me it's skin cancer. I'm thinking, am I wearing sunscreen out in the, and I'm talking when we're in the news, whether it's winter or summer, you are out in the blazing sun. Like in the middle of winter, the sun is flat on your face because Firstly, you're finding the sun so that you have good lighting. Of course. And secondly, you're just, you do not have shelter. You are out on a crime scene or at a, wherever you are, you are outside. That's the job. You are not in a room. I wish I would say, we would joke and say, um, you, you get the lottery on the story if you're at the airport because it's inside and it's got a bathroom. Love that. <laughs> the two things you need. But the rest of the time you're outside from five in the morning till five, six o'clock at night. And so I thought, am I wearing sunscreen? maybe it's in my foundation and and I'm putting it on at three o'clock in the morning, maybe. Maybe it's not in my foundation. And if I am putting on sunscreen, well, we now know that it's useless after an hour. Mm. So I was not topping up sunscreen and I thought to myself, just how cool would it be if I had like that rose water spray, which I used to sometimes use when I was out on the road just to freshen up my makeup if it had SPF 50 in it. And so I started going to manufacturers and they just said to me, this can't be done. Um, and they would give me samples, they'd be white spray. And I think, no, I can't wear that over makeup. And I was very conscious that if I ever had to make something, and I didn't know at this point if I was going to, but that it had to work with your makeup, over your makeup, mm -hmm. under your makeup, because I just knew if the lights went on my face, when we have these huge bright lights on television, and I threw white cast or oil or shine, then it wouldn't work for me. And I wanted it to work for me because I was at the point, the only customer. And so I just kept on going and it really took me about two years. Or well, I think we only launched, when did we launch? 2021. And so, and I started thinking about this in 2019. And so it really took quite a long time to perfect. But once we had it, then I was just, I knew, I knew I had to do it when I started telling people what I was doing and they said to me but how come that doesn't exist already it's so obvious we of course we need a mist sunscreen mist for over our makeup are you sure it doesn't exist I said it does not exist in Australia there is no TGA listed spray sunscreen for your face none and when people said to me oh well it's so obvious we need it not we want it but we need it I thought look it's not something I ever thought I'd do, but I'm going to do it. I'm, go I'm going to give it a go. I love a challenge. Let's try. You launched with two products, a cream and that mist. Was it the idea for the mist that came first? The idea for the mist came first and then the idea for the cream came because the mist is supposed to be a top up over makeup, yep. but what do you wear under your makeup? And I really wanted something that was like a moisturizer, but that had sunscreen. It's funny because... You know, and I don't know if the listeners remember, but when I started the brand, I'm telling you there was no cool skincare, uh, makeup, um, good worked well with makeup sunscreen mm. that you could wear. There was just none. And so I really, when we came out and we instantly sold out, testament to the fact that there was nothing like it on the market. So I think so quickly the education and the trend changed and Again, my husband um, was always saying to me, like, sunscreen is so shit. You really need to do something in that space. And I would always say to him, like, what are you talking about? What do you mean sunscreen? Like, what? Do you, why? Who wears sunscreen? Like, who cares? No one cares about sunscreen. And he said to me, trust me, it's going to be big. And it's funny, Jam, because I'll just tell you a quick story. I wrote this book with my girlfriend called The Game Changers about successful women. And this was before the explosion of podcasts and women and stories and everything. This was back in 2015, I think it was. And it was kind of like that first foray into the female explosion, which we now know and love. But back then I could just email anyone and they would do an interview. And and, and it seems like you've, you've been able to get those too, but changed now I think where it's probably harder because everyone's trying to do it but anyway back then it was easier and one of the so my husband reads the book and he goes oh this is shit you've got boring women and by the way we had like um Ariana Huffington and Gwyneth Paltrow oh. he's like but you need the hot girl from Suits and I said <laughs> what, you, what, what are you who and he goes you know the Rachel and I said I don't know who that is but anyway Google and I was like oh Meghan Markle okay Oh, she works for the UN. Oh, she has a website. Oh, okay. So I emailed Megan and she wrote back and we did an interview with her and she was in the book. Anyway, obviously 
history will tell that yeah. she became the most famous person in the world. I, like literally the book was launched and a month later or like a couple of weeks later, it ca- and she was on the front cover, by the way, because I said to my co- co-author, Steph Adams, I think this woman's going to be big. Let's put her on the front. And Steph was like, I don't know who she is. I said, trust me, I think she's going to be big. Lo and behold, she became the biggest person, biggest celebrity in the whole world. And this was the only interview that she had done at all. And so every media outlet from the US, uh, NBC to CNN, everyone in the whole world used this interview that she had done with us as the blueprint for everything that they knew about her at that point. So it was so big. But anyway, so then my husband's like sunscreen. I'm like, you know what? I'm going with it. <laughs> you know best, buddy. He has but, proven um, himself really to be an ideas factory. So <laughs> what? Because I look at sunscreen now and I'm thinking, it is the hottest trending um, category. And I mm. swear to you, what I remember going into Sephora or Mecca um, before I started and I said, hey, do you have any sunscreens? And they said, no, or actually we have one. one. And it was right at the back in the corner, like, you know, no matter, had like dust on it. And I thought, okay, cool. So there's a clear gap in the market here. And look, we proved that there was a clear gap in the market and Naked Sundays has absolutely proven that. But if I had to start it, there's no way I could start it today when sunscreen is such a hot commodity now that everyone wants to do it. But it is hard and it is so much regulatory that it's to do a whole brand that everything is regulated by three different countries Mm. and four different regulators. It's not easy. So how did you physically make it happen? It's one thing to have the idea, but then how did you go about finding the right manufacturer, even sourcing the packaging, landing on that right design, physically funding things? How did you make your way through all of those steps? It, uh, I love a challenge, as I said, and so I really just took it on as a challenge and I thought, all right, like there's like a mathematical equation. I need packaging. Let me call five packaging people. Let me get quotes. Let me get samples. Let me see what I like the best. And the packaging person that the only one out of the five that answered my email now works at Mega Sunday. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> so, um, and I just along the way found good people. I went to 25 manufacturers. They all said no. The 26th one said, all right, I'll give you a sample. And it was wrong, wrong, wrong. And then finally it was right. Um, and I just kept going like that, Gemma. I, I just... Every step of the way, I went to five different regular, regular, regulatory teams and two of them were like, no, you know, you'll never be able to do this and it's going to take six months. One of them said, yep, I'll, I'll get it done for you in a couple of weeks. Um, it just, it just, I kept on going and, you know, I, I bring it back to the book that I wrote just before, which was The Game Changers. And I think that is what helped me understand that everyone, a couple of women actually that you've interviewed or in the, in the book as well, like the Juice juice beauty Mm. girls and you know a couple of the people um mariana hewitt a couple of those people you know it's it's when people tell you can't do something majority of people will say you're right i can't and then the the women in the book that we interviewed people said they can't do it and they said watch me or well let me try it a different way and so that stuck with me and i thought let me keep going who cares that that person thinks i can't do it I'll keep going until someone else believes in me. I just kept going. It was just something in me that I just thought might be worth trying. I I can't tell you the secret sauce here other than don't give up. It's truly, if you believe in something, anyone that's listening, and you truly think that it's something that might work for you and you think your idea is good and can have legs, just keep going. Don't let the naysayers get you down. Don't believe them believe in your your conviction of that it is something that you can do and just push and push I, I it was it was like christmas and i remember being on the phone to suppliers and manufacturers just saying i want i want to get this mist done can you do it and i you know I just it didn't matter what day what month what week how many knows i just kept going i love talking to founders as well who were working in a different industry pre-launch in your case you obviously working in journalism your husband in finance I know that there are a number of different schools of thought in 
how best to divide your time when working on a startup. I know that some people say, okay, you've just got to be 100% focused on the new business if you really want it to be a success. Others say you should keep your day job to minimize that risk. You didn't leave seven until September 2021. So you have been selling out product for nine months before you went, okay, time for me to just leave and focus on this. Was risk minimization part of the plan there or were you working off instinct? How did you go about it? I felt that I didn't want to leave my job until I knew Naked Sundays had legs. I'll be honest, when I launched, I didn't think anyone was going to buy it. We put all our money into it. That's so funny to hear now. (laughs) Yeah, it was real. Mm. Thank you. I mean, I still, every time I launch a new product, I don't even know if anyone's going to buy it. It's those feelings remain, but, um, and so it wasn't funny. It was quite serious at the time where we mm. put all our money from our mortgage into this and we just thought, you know, either we sell out and, um, or we don't sell anything and either way we're fucked because we've got no more money. Mm. <laughs> so we had, we, we just, we, we gave it a risk. And I think I never in my wildest dreams thought I would quit my job to focus full time on Naked Sundays. And after nine months, Mecca was going to launch us in October of that year. Mm. And so I knew about that for a while, but then it was when they said to me, we need to put you on the website. And I don't know if you remember, but I refused to tell anyone who the founder of Naked Sundays was. It was a mystery for such a long time. (laughs) I just refused. And and so my publicist, um, Jesse, who you know and love, kept saying, yes. I can't launch a brand without a founder. You need, I need a founder. And I said, I can hear just- it in her voice also. <laughs> Sam. <laughs> I can't do this without a founder. And I said, well, you better try and do your best without a founder because I refused. I thought, firstly, uh, I wanted the product to speak for itself without being founder-led. And... Um, and that's probably it. And secondly, I didn't want to lose my job. So there were two things. And there were non-negotiables. I, 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 I had a job. I was a very serious news reporter on a number one news channel. And I did not want to be a beauty entrepreneur. I just, that was not in the cards. And so I made a product that everyone loved and wanted to wear. And that was great. But that's for the people. It was a people's product. It wasn't Sam Brett's product. And Anyway, so Mecca said, we want to put you on the website as a founder story. And I thought, oh, I don't want to miss out that opportunity. And also I wanted to give Naked Sundays my 100% full focus because I felt that it deserved it. It was just taking off in a way that no one could have ever imagined or predicted, especially not myself. And I felt very lucky and blessed that that had happened. And I felt like it deserved, the brand deserved my full attention. So I quit my job that I loved and adored, had been doing it seven for eight years, had been in journalism for, don't want to show my age, but honestly 20 years. And But you look just, so young because of all the sunscreen. No one would know. <laughs> <laughs> of course, because of all the sunscreen. Um, and so, yeah, I, I made the decision and I never looked back and that's a lucky thing. And um, I think the first time you sort of quit a job to – um, go to the next thing. It's extremely hard. And and when I say job, it's not quitting a job. It's quitting a whole industry and yeah. moving into something else. But I've done it a few times now. So I knew what's the worst that can happen. Nothing. There's actually, you know, I have the skills to just pick up something else if it didn't work out. And here we are. It's, it's interesting that you say you weren't sure if it was going to do well or if people were going to buy the product. I've asked a few founders at what point they realized that it was going to work, that it was actually going to be a lot bigger than what they'd imagined. I would imagine that in your case, that moment might have happened pre-launch because before the brand had launched a single product, you had a 2,000 person wait list. That blows my mind. How did you generate interest, interest of that level before you'd even gone to market? It was uh, interesting that I didn't know anything about marketing, social media. I didn't know anything about e-commerce at all. In fact, I still don't, but I've learned a lot. Actually, I shouldn't say I don't, and I'm going to stop doing that because I keep saying I know nothing. But you know what? 
two and a half years later, I know everything about e-commerce. Love this. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I've said it for so long. I, I know nothing about anything. And for a really long time, I really didn't. I was just winging it. But when I first started, I did a lot of courses, online courses. Um, I did Greta's, Greta's founder course. Yes. I love Greta. And so I remember Greta just saying, start an Instagram, even if you don't have any followers, just start and so I remember putting up an Instagram and I remember saying you know this mist for over sunscreen mist for over your makeup is coming and I remember just setting up a Shopify basic website myself and and um our PR would sent it out to I think two micro influencers who are now my absolute darling wonderful good friends who I had never heard of and um and they had started posting it and their followers were were saying um were started messaging the instagram saying i need this not i want this i need this miss where is it where's this been all my life i'm dying for it and so we ended up having to launch two weeks early gem but it's funny and then i remember ringing jesse the publicist and saying okay who the f is kathy and matilda like who are these people that are posting and she's like how do you not know? And I said, I know nothing about the beauty world or any beauty influences. Um, I feel like I knew you though, because you, you were like one of the early OG kind of um, beautiful content. And I remember saying, send it to Gemma. I've, <laughs> I've been doing this for quite some time. I only got TikTok yeah. a year ago. So there's this whole new crop of people that think I'm new to this. They're like, oh my God, how are you? how do you have these relationships with brands? And I'm like, sweetie, I'm 78 years old. I've been doing this for a really long time. <laughs> and yet you look 22 because of all your sunscreen. All the sunscreen. <laughs> so, so yes, so we ended up launching two weeks early um, and that that swell of that wait list came from just these beautiful micro girls who um, had a very engaged beauty audience. They weren't necessarily beauty girls. Matilda owns her own brand, Stax, and Kathy was on, I think, Married at First Sight or one of the shows. But um, but they but they were very influential in terms of people watching them for their beauty tips. They weren't beauty yeah. people. And so I think people were watching them and seeing what they were using and they saw this product and they started signing up on the website and I'm thinking, oh my God. Anyway, testament to that list, we ended up selling out in the first two weeks. And then when we launched into Mecca, we ended up selling out in less than 24 hours of our two hero SKUs, our mist and our mineral, which we only launched a couple of months after the main launch. And so that probably was the moment where I just realized that, well, I realized I needed more people than myself running the whole business. So I hired a customer service person. <laughs> that was that was it. It was just me and her. And she still works here today. She's now like our head of marketing, but uh, that was it. So that's when I kind of realized I needed more people and more help. Still very lean team. I still pinch myself every day. Dem, you say, when did you know? I, I don't feel like, I feel like every day I I do our best to, I feel like honestly, it's a, I'm selling one sunscreen to one person that might like it and hopefully does and might help their life and make it better in their morning routine. And so that's still how I view it. It's Every day I wake up, I'm like, all right, how do I give one person one sunscreen that they might need? It's not like, oh, yay, I have a multi-million dollar business and everything's great. No, no, no. That's not how I view this. You you mentioned that you sold out in two weeks. It's reported you don't have to confirm or deny this. It's reported you'd hit $100,000 in sales within four weeks of that launch. Again, the brand launched into Mecca in October of that same year, sold out of three months' worth of stock in 24 hours. Very exciting, but I imagine also kind of terrifying. What were some of the challenges that that amount of growth in such a short amount of time presented you with? Yeah, so after we sold out in the first two weeks, um, we didn't have any more stock and we didn't have really much money. And as you say, like the first month, like it takes a while to get the the funds to come through and Mm. then – it was just a challenge to get more stock and to be able to afford more stock and to be able to start doing new products because suddenly we got feedback. Oh, people want mineral or they want a body spray or whatever it is that they want. And so to keep up with the trends and the demand started getting quite difficult and started needing, I guess, more of my attention. I learned very quickly though, um, 
look, it's not, it's not without a challenge. Everything's a challenge every day, every there's website glitches that I've got to do. I mean, I can't tell you how many challenges there are. It looks like a fun, fun glamorous, Instagrammable, Mecca selling business. Oh my goodness. There is so much to these e-com businesses and then retail is a whole nother beast. We're selling tens of thousands per month in Mecca. And so that is a whole different management skill and team that I, those skills I don't have to be able to service a retailer as big and as amazing as Mecca. So that came with a whole team that I had to then implement for that. And that was a challenge for me to understand all that. Um, the technical side of things constantly is a challenge. But I guess back then to your question, team, getting more people on board, dividing my time up between retail, e-com, customer service, product, new product, uh, returns, faulty products. Like there's just myriad of challenges mm. that come with it. And I cannot stress enough for anyone wanting to enter into this industry you need to understand the challenges. This is not a fun, glamorous life that I lead. This is the job that I'm here at 6.30 in the morning and here till midnight most nights and I still don't get everything done and I have a family and I have a six-year-old and everyone does have, have all that stuff. But I'm just saying a lot of stuff has to, you have to give up a lot of stuff in order to be able to even just manage the surface level of this kind of a business mm. there is a lot that goes into it and the challenges pop up every minute of every day I appreciate how realistic that is because this is something that's come up a few times recently because I'll talk to people and they'll go oh when are you going to start a brand and I'm like uh, I know how hard it is so it's a no from me <laughs> I'm just gonna sit back and be a vessel for everyone else's stories of you know the 6 30 arrival staying there till midnight because I'm okay I'm pretty good with my eight hours of sleep thank you very much well you look amazing actually I saw you recently and you look incredible um and founders don't look so incredible <laughs> unless they've had two hours in hair and makeup before an event that's that's the outlier. Which, to be honest, I had to get my head on just in case I saw you today because otherwise you would think, oh, my God, what is I this? wouldn't, but you look glamorous. <laughs> but in my mind, I'm like, oh, that's what she must look like all the time. How fortunate that you've woken up with this I'm wearing my lip liner. <laughs> <laughs> the tricks of the trade. You launched the brand into the US last year. What differences, if any, have you noticed between SPF habits in America as compared to Australia? Oh, okay. Great question. Habits. Well, I think in the US people don't really know or care about the difference between mineral and chemical, whereas I feel like in Australia, everyone is very much, and you would know better than me actually. But from my perspective, everyone loves a mineral sunscreen in Australia. They're very into natural sunscreens, uh, natural. Um, <laughs> but in, in the US, because um, th there's just a different culture there, they prefer <clears throat> no white cast and a little bit of glowiness as opposed to really caring so much about a mineral sunscreen. So here I come guns blazing, we have the best mineral and it's the number one seller in Mecca and, and I go to the US and everyone's like, no, wait, I only want the sunscreen that doesn't have the tint and doesn't have the white cast, which one's that? And I say, oh, well, it's our chemical. And they're like, oh, I don't know chemical mineral. I just want the one that has no white cast and no zinc in it. So that was a bit of a learning for me because I didn't realize that that's so popular. So we have completely different number one SKUs, uh, number one products in the US as to Australia, which is a huge shock to me. This is so obviously the, I mean, the products that are performing well are different from region to region. The other thing that's interesting to me hearing that is have you had to change the marketing strategy from region to region as well? Beauty's, of course, such a saturated market, mm. regulations around sunscreen advertising don't make things easy for anyone. So how are you making sure that the brand is getting seen by the right people, it's getting into the hands of the right people, and have you had to change that up a bit to attract people from different places? Um, I... 
funnily enough, have not had to focus too much on the marketing mm-hmm. at all for this brand. <clears throat> it seems like we have, because everyone's like, I see Naked Sundays everywhere. But it has been one of those grassroots, word of mouth, micro-influencer influenced brands whereby we're not throwing a heap of money and marketing and strategy behind it we're going with the tide kind of thing and so in australia when we launched as i said to you we sent a couple of people who didn't have a million followers but who really loved the brand and were advocates and shared it with their people same thing has happened in the u.s so we have had these amazing like celebrity makeup artists or people with like less than a hundred thousand followers that have found naked Sundays and have shared it with their tribes. And that those followers have, have bought naked Sundays and then spread it with their friends. And so to your point, my marketing strategy per region has been exactly the same. Let's find those real influential grassroots people that can share the word rather than, hey, the US like chemical, let's put this amount of money and advertise it here. We had the, we were on the Today Show in the US NBC twice. None of it paid, none of it sponsored at all. It was literally the person who talks about beauty products on the Today Show, finding out about our mist, finding out about what else, we have, our lip oils and, and wanting to share it. So wow. we had Hoda and um, George Bush's, um, Grand's order. Jenna Bush talking about Naked Sunday spray on the Today Show yeah. in America because they someone had told them a makeup artist had told them that they liked using it. So I can't tell you the marketing strategy of country per country. I can tell you that I that I am not focusing very much on any other regions right now because the two Australia and US are so big for us. But I can't tell you, I did do the same strategy for both to answer your question. Well, the strategy is create really good products. I hope. <laughs> I, I, I hope that is. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. But I hope that is the strategy. But I think the strategy is getting it into the right hands. And that, that took a really long time for me to work out who those hands were in the US. But once we did, then it was... Yeah. Mm free sailing I should say but that took that took years you say we launched last year I think we only really launched in January this year February this year let's talk product development from my perspective as a consumer Naked Sundays is very much at the fore as far as innovation goes the mist obviously first of its kind sorry the serum the glow balms like these are products that we haven't seen here before. How does that product development process work for you? Are you constantly thinking about what might come next? Are you innovating yeah. based off what people are asking for? Or is it a bit of both? It's a bit of both, but I think I'm definitely thinking what is coming next. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I feel like I have a bit of a knack to know what is going to be the zeitgeist or the trend before it happens. So you did not mention that I used to write a dating column. But <laughs> oh yes. So when back in um back Harry in Bradshaw. thank you, thank you. But back in 2019, 2020, just to divert for a second, I thought to myself when I was living in New York that the next big thing is going to be online blogs. And they weren't a thing. No one had a blog back then. And I thought I'm gonna write the first blog in Australia and I'm gonna call it Sam in the City and it's gonna be on a newspaper website and I'm gonna write about dating in a blog online. And no one even knew what blogs were. They were like, What's a blog? And I went to the newspaper and I pitched it and it became the number one column blog, whatever you want to call it. It was like the OG influencer back in that time. So what was it? Twitter I'm terrible with my years, but two thousand and six, I think it yep. was, right? So we're talking back then. And so that so that happened then and then let's say with the game changes with the book like the Meghan Markle the the female empowerment explosion that did not happen that book came out and female empowerment only happened after that now you try and email like Ariana Huffington or Gwyneth Paltrow there's no way well you probably will get an interview but most people now won't because now there's everyone trying to do books and blogs and podcasts you know and you you'll probably feel it as well because you were one of the OG ones as well but anyway with the sunscreen so same thing I was like I want to do this mist and I was like I want to do a lip oil that has SPF 50 I want to do blush that has SPF 50 if I could do a lip liner with SPF 
50 I would but I just I wanted that full face of SBF that no one had thought of before and I just I, I thought of these things and I thought to myself I've done it before and that's the thing I love to tell people once you know that something you do or something you can do is going to work it gives you that confidence to know for the next time people say of course you can't do a blush with SPF 50 or that we can't do a lip oil that's SPF 50 but you know you've done it before and you're like yes I can watch me and I just kept going like that so now my ideas come up and people are saying oh you can't have SPF in that and I'm like yes you can watch me and I just make it happen um because who cares what other people think right if I want to do it I'm going to try and everything I can to do it look at some things can't be done but I'll try my best Sam you have been a part of the beauty industry since conceptualizing Naked Sundays back in 2019 but you have been a beauty consumer for far longer over the last few years what have been some of the biggest changes that you have seen within the beauty industry I think it goes through phases and I think um we saw this whole show off your so when I when I started wearing makeup it was all about the very thick full coverage and I did everything in my power to find the best full coverage and I found Kat Von D she made foundation that could cover up tattoos and I thought this is gospel and I wore makeup this thick and then slowly as it progressed you had to start showing off your freckles and if you had a pimple like who cares you don't need to wear cover-up over it and and so then it went through that like beautiful glossy skin no makeup makeup and that was my worst the worst phase for me because I love thick makeup and I think now we're back into that phase of uh, you do need beautiful glowy skin and glossy skin but you also are able to now wear the wear the makeup again and go out and actually have your lip liner and, and your lipstick. I love a lipstick. So I feel like my love of all that thickness when I was, you know, back back 20 years ago is back. It might not be. A lot of people will argue with me. But for me, that trend is back. Um, in terms of skincare, I was actually thinking about it the other night. I'm in the shower and I was thinking, what would someone, what would my answer be if someone says, what's your skincare regime? Because I am the soap and water girl. Wow. Yeah. I am the soap and water girl. And yeah, I was literally thinking, like, please, no one asked me what my skincare regime is. And I just, I feel, um, my friend's coming from New York. She's like, where's the best facial? I'm like, no, 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 we don't even do facials anymore. It's a light, it's a laser. There's no like facials and lots of skincare. But look, everyone's different, but that's for me. Paired back, I'm a cheap date when it comes to skincare. And um, I, that's why I love, um, What am I allowed to say this? Because it's a TGA. I, sorry, TGA, but I love our mineral sunscreen because it's my moisturizer, my primer, it's my, I just put that on and I can either go out and go out the house or I can put some makeup over that. But I've noticed everyone in my office or everyone who tries the minerals says the same thing. One product in the morning, you don't need 10 layers of skincare. Sorry, Kim Kardashian for your 10 step regime, but paired back skincare, lots of makeup. That's, that's my trend right now. What changes or trends do you think we can expect to see over the next few years? I do think SPF is literally the number one trending product of mm. the world right now. And I feel lucky that I'm in that industry, but I also feel nervous because it's on us now to continue to innovate and the amount of innovation we do. And Gem, it's hard. I will tell you, creating the world's first SPF lip oil is a challenge because mm. people are like, well, I don't like it. It tastes like sunscreen or which it doesn't anymore because we've just relaunched it with no sunscreen taste. Yay. But that took two years for us to formulate the world's first lip oil and then perfect it with the spray, with the mist, with the SPF mist. We first launched it the first and then we reiterated over the, the next two years. Um, so first to market is going to be a challenge and I want to remain first to market, but to answer your question, SPF is now the biggest skincare trend in the world. And that is wonderful. That's a wonderful thing. It does make me nervous because that's all we do and we have to continue to innovate. But as I say, I love a challenge and I'll continue to try and innovate and I'll continue to try and make sure that what we do is TGA, FDA, UK, EU compliance, 
Um, we have the world's best formulators and formulations and we're ahead of the curve. And I just have to keep doing that to make sure that we stay in that this great explosion and we don't get left behind. Sam, my final question, what is next for Naked Sundays? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me this. <laughs> well, I can give you the exclusive scoop if you'd like. Ooh, uh, yes. Imagine me saying no to that. No, don't worry about the scoop. Yes, please. Oh, my God. <gasps> Stop. All right, Jen, so I'm a bit nervous to tell you about this um, this new product because we've been working so hard on it, like years and years of perfecting it and just making it perfect. But anyway, so if you have your favourite um, Charlotte Tilbury flawless filter or you have your favourite drunk elephant bronzing drops, as I said to you, I love to be at the forefront of SPF innovation and just making sure that your whole face is SPF 50. And so if you have your... so. The new product, it's called Cabana Glow oh. and it comes in three shades. Oh my God, and the packaging. So, so the first one is your Charlotte Tilbury Flawless Filter and it is an illuminating sunscreen serum drops and it's just um, SBF 50 mineral and so you put it on and it just has that beautiful illuminating Charlotte Tilbury Flawless Filter. I'm, look, which I I'm speechless. Say, but that's what it is. This doesn't But happen. then we've got the bronze. Yep. So we've got bronze, so SPF 50, so they're bronzing serum drops. So it's SPF 50 mineral, but it's the bronze. And so you can mix it in with your illuminating or you so can put it on by itself. This is perfect because I will do a couple of drops of not the Drunk Elephant one, but by Terry have a very similar product and I'll mix that in to like a moisturizing base and then I'll do my Charlotte Tilbury Flawless Filter. So now I can just <laughs> do those two steps with SPF. Yes, yeah, SPF 50, but because yeah. it's SPF 50 and it's mineral and it's tested the same way our TGA products are tested. Yeah. So as long as you put enough on, it will give you the same coverage as your normal sunscreen. The reason why makeup isn't, isn't TGA listed is because they assume that people aren't going to be putting on the full quarter, yeah. half a teaspoon. But I put a full, as you can see, I'm putting yeah. it on now. But I it put the shears full, out beautifully. It's, yeah. It shears out beautifully. So you can wear it on its own or, um, sorry, let me just get my earphone <laughs> in. So you can wear it on its own or you can wear it underneath makeup. Um, so this is that no makeup makeup look. Um, sorry, I'm not rubbing it in because I don't want to move my headphones and then cut us out again. But anyway, and then we've got the third colour, which is called Pearl. So it's oh, just a bit of a lighter colour. <gasps> yes, so you put it underneath your foundation um, or you put it on by itself and it's just a mineral and it just gives you that pearlescent, beautiful glow. And so this is all SPF 50, as I said, tested the same way like a TGA sunscreen would be tested. But um, because it's makeup, a makeup product, you, it's not listed. But if you wear enough of it, so you just have to wear your half teeth and then you don't yeah. have to wear anything else in the morning. So my my view of this is that everyone, as I said, in Australia, they love our mineral. Our mineral is our number one seller in Mecca. It's just that lighter, sexier makeup Charlotte Tilbury Drunk Elephant version of it. So especially in time for summer, you can mix and match the three colours. They are the same mineral formula. So it won't destabilise your SPF if you do mix and match them. Mm -hmm. So you can mix and match. You can have as much of the bronze as you know your drops that you use by Terry. You can have as much of your bronze drops or yeah. as little as possible to, to make sure um, it's either light or dark as possible. And because we've got the three shades and they're buildable, it's for all skin types and, and tones. The lighter skin colours can use more of the pearlescent, the mediums can use the illuminating, and then the darks are obviously the bronze. Um, but we've tried it on all skin tones, so all three work for everyone. So it comes in this beautiful little box. And that will be launching at the end of August in Mecca. And then I have one more special, 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 amazing product for you that is coming out. Oh. And it is a... Oh, clear dry yes. body oil sunscreen stick so you can put on your body or your face oh my god it's here not I was, oily but it's a dry oil which is one of my favorite textures of all time here oh, i really? was thinking oh we're so lucky to get the scoop on one product actually because i haven't oh. told anyone about this but actually you know what you could do for your wedding mm. if you are wearing 
any skin showing at all is you can put this on as well because this won't ruin your dress but you can you can rub it in and just put it on your body and it's not that sunscreen white sticky thick yeah. it's just very light and you can just you don't even have to rub it in with your hands but you can just put it on any exposed skin and you can also you don't want to be um oily for your wedding so i'm not sure you would put that over your makeup but, but day to day that's just my favorite texture for particularly really? for body i love dry oil oh do, do you it. find it's too greasy for the face? Because I'm struggling to think about how people might want to use it I for I don't face. often do it on the face, but for body, okay. out of yes. the shower, dry oil. Oh, really? Okay, mm. so this is for the morning. Yeah. Before you go out. Perfect. Your dry body oil. So those are the scoops. Um, and what else is next for Naked Sundays? International uh, domin- world domination. <laughs> One step at a time, Jam. Honestly, let's just let's just get through these. Let's just get through Black Friday and Christmas, and then we'll we'll talk. That was Samantha Brett, founder of Naked Sundays, which you can find on Instagram at naked underscore Sundays. To read more, you can visit glowjournal.com. And for more beauty news, you can find me on Instagram at jemkwatts or at glow.journal. If you like this episode, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, review and share so other beauty and business lovers can find us. I'm Gemma Watts. You've been listening to the Glow Journal podcast and thank you for joining me. The Glow Journal podcast would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people, the traditional custodians of the land upon which this podcast is produced. We pay our respects to Elders past and present.